Christian family who, um, yeah, um, put Jesus above everything else. Um, church every Sunday, midweek meetings on a regular basis and family devotions every night, the whole work sort of thing. So I can't actually pinpoint a specific time when I accepted Jesus, but I just assume it happened fairly young or it was just like a continuing journey, yep. um, which is still going today, I suppose, yeah. yeah. And, and some testimonies are like that. I mean, some of this dramatic one point in time, I just it all happened. And sometimes that is just like a journey. Yeah. I mean, there's a realisation there that sort of keeps growing and deepening that Christ is who he says he is and he has done what he said he has done. And then I put my trust and my belief in that. So you're right, there's, there's all types of uh, testimonies there. So since becoming a Christian, what have some, been some of the most important, say, growth times that you've experienced in your life? Yeah, well, a couple. Um, one would have been when I was a teenager and it was actually based on what I just said, the fact that I couldn't pinpoint a time when I'd asked Jesus to save me. And I really worried me that you know it seemed everyone else had a good story and I had nothing Um, so it was at that time that I guess I really studied what it actually meant to be a follower of Jesus and that really strengthened my faith at that time Um, and I still doubted a lot of the time like if I died would I go to heaven and all the rest but I think because of that um, yeah I really studied hard as to what it meant to follow Jesus so that's one point Um, and another time would have been in my mid-twenties to late-twenties when I was starting to get a bit worried that I was going to stay single forever. Um, and um, it was just a time of growth that even if that was to happen, Jesus was enough. But I just felt at that time him really telling me that um, at this point in your life, try and serve me as much as you can because you know, you've got all this time basically. You're not... You, you don't have a husband, you don't have a family. And at that time, all my friends were married with families and they were so busy. And I felt like I had the, all this time, so why not use it for God? So I got really involved in the church and um, serving as much as I could there. And I felt that even though I was serving a lot, I was blessed far more than what I was doing. So. Yeah. It's a blessing to hear that because often, you're right, we can get our aspirations, I wish I could do this or I wish I was in that position, but we don't appreciate where we are right then and the time and energy that God's given to us to be able to get in there and serve. And as you say, get a blessing out of that mm. through giving that uh, service as well. So that's uh, terrific to hear. Okay, if there's one passage in the Bible that may stand out to you to be a real sort of point of strength or help, what would that um, be? A couple. One, not a point of strength, but just... I feel like I'm so blessed at the moment. Um, so James, one seventeen, every oh, good. James, <laughs> James, right? Yeah, James. Here he comes again. You know. James Did you write this, James? <laughs> <laughs> um, every good and perfect gift is from above, yeah. and that's something we have written up in our house on a plaque. So, I I feel that a lot. Um, but another one that um, does strengthen my faith is. Isaiah 41.10, which is, um, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you by my right hand or something like that. Yeah, yeah, good, (laughs) good. Great passage. Um, I heard a message from John Piper about 12 months ago, and that was one of his preaching promises, that I'm with you to to, uh, strengthen you. So excellent. Mm. So just tell us quickly then uh, where you're serving uh, at Exchange. Um, I feel like I'm a bit out of the loop, actually. Um, been fairly crook since the start of the year so I've sort of given up a lot of stuff but um 
I help out in the music area and also in the kids' you ministry. Do. So. You do. As much as uh, we all know that Hannah's been experiencing mourner sickness, um, she is the leader of our kids' area and also helps out in the music area, which is a great help for us. Um, okay, uh, I'll just go to the last one. One thing we could pray for you, what would be one thing that you'd like us to pray for? Um, probably my pregnancy. Me and pregnancy don't go well together. So, <laughs> um, Just that the rest of the time will go really quickly and... Safe delivery. Excellent. Well, let me do that right now. Eh? Just join with me as I pray for Anna. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you today that we can uh, see a part of your work uh, in the, the midst of our congregation here in the life of Hannah. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the work that you've done in her in rescuing and saving her and, uh, Lord, giving her new life in you and, uh, Lord, putting a path before her that lives for your glory and fulfills that by using the talents and gifts and abilities that you've given to her today. We thank you for the blessing that she used to us here at Exchange. And Lord, particularly we pray for her at this point in time. She's got 14 weeks and one day to go for this pregnancy. Uh, Father, we pray that you'll uh, give her strength and comfort and uh, the peace to just carry out this uh, journey for these next remaining weeks. And uh, pray, Lord, that you'll help her to be strong and healthy in her body and her mind as well. And uh, Lord, we really pray for a great gift of joy that will come at the end. That will be also another token of every good gift that comes from above, uh, comes from the Father of lights in the gift of a child. We pray this child will be raised to be a follower of Jesus and a disciple of Christ who lives for your glory. So we pray, bless Hannah and bless James today and their family. And God, we thank you for them now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Hannah. Good on you. Bruce, we'll get you to uh, come up and you can... Um... Could I read that? Yeah, I can do that. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Simeon, Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God our Saviour, Jesus Christ. May, may, uh, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, our Je- uh, and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So, is this working? 
I did turn it on. Is it working? It's working very good. Sorry? Yeah, no, I'm talking about my microphone. Uh, good day, everyone. Uh, as you know my name, and I know some of your names, uh, Bruce, and the last time I was here, uh, apparently it was six or seven years ago, at the first exchange camp. And so it's great to be back and see a few old faces that I kind of have almost remembered. And, um, yeah, it's great to be here. We had a bit of an intro now. Is this working? Look at that, it is. Yep, that's working. Um, I just want to show you where, where we're going the weekend. So the stable Christian life, I think Peter wrote his letter. He wrote his letter, as we'll see, um, so that we may not fall from our secure position. Last night I asked everyone, are you struggling in the Christian life? Um, and uh, everyone looked at me like stunned mullets like you are all now. And I said, are you struggling in the Christian life? Is the Christian life hard? I put my hand up because I find the Christian life hard. And Peter knew that in the last days, the days we live, the Christian life would be hard. And so he writes to us to help us be stable and not stumble. He wants to see us make it home to heaven. Okay? And there's three things that he says. Um, this looked a lot better when I did it, uh, Todd. Um, uh Three, three uh, things I think he says, grow and never stop growing, escape and never go back, and remember and never forget. Um, something's always lost in translation on electronic gadgets, eh? Um, so today, grow and never stop growing. That's what we're looking at. All right, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time and for this letter of uh, to Peter. Uh, please be with us. Please be with me as I speak. Uh, help me to be clear and straightforward uh, and understandable. And please be with all of us uh, that you would take your word by your spirit, write it on our heart and make us the kind of people you want us to be. Amen. So uh, at the end of 2 Peter, this is what he says. This is from... Chapter 3, 17 to 18. Now, I'd like it if you all had a Bible open, okay? And the other thing is, if I ask you a question, I want you to give me an answer or I want you to think about it, okay? A little bit interactive. We'll see how we go. This is what he says. He says, Be on your guard so that we may not be carried away from our secure position. And so how is it that we'll be on our guard? Well, he says, we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ. So Peter's urgent and unapologetic and I think rather blunt message, one of his messages in this letter, is that if you don't want to fall away, do uh, you know someone who was once a Christian and now, now isn't? They were a Christian and now they're not. Peter does not want that to happen to us. Uh, he says you need to grow. Um, and, and I think he says that if you won't grow, then you almost certainly will fall away. That's um, Peter's message to us. So we must grow and never stop growing. Um, now, I don't, I, don't know about, I don't know a lot of you that well, and you don't know me. So that means I can ask you awkward questions and get away with it, okay? So I think I've got... Two awkward questions. 
Are you growing as a Christian? Now, you don't have to answer this one out loud, okay? Are you growing as a Christian? Now, some of you will be. I was really encouraged by your now I'm not, by your uh, testimony, Hannah. It was great. Um, but I can imagine, you know, like, are you growing as a Christian? And do you know why? If you're not, do you know why you're not? And if you are, do you know why you are? If, if Christian life is good for you at the moment, do you know why? And if it's a real battle for you, um, do you know why? Well, uh, that's a bit of a thought starter. Um, I want you to look at chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, because Peter says quite an astonishing thing to us. Chapter 1, verse 3. So look along with me. It says, it says there, His divine power, talking about Jesus, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a striking thing, don't you think? Um, he has given us everything we need for life and godliness, for the Christian life. If you're a Christian, Peter says that God's given you everything you need. Everything lean, means literally all things. Okay, Nothing left off the list. Okay. Now I want you to be honest. Is that how you feel? Thanks, you've been honest, shaking your head, good. Is that how you feel? Do you feel like you've been given everything you need? No, good. I, I'm, look, um, most people I talk to, Christians, don't think they've been given everything they need. Uh, there's a young bloke at church, um, I'll call him Tom, that's not his name. I think this has been recorded, I just you know, want to protect people's privacy. Um, he came to me and he said, listen Bruce, I'm dry, I'm struggling, I've almost given up my faith, turned up to church with his family every week. I've almost given up my faith. Could we meet, meet and read and pray together? I said, yeah, of course. He's, and he basically said, mate, I don't know what's going wrong. I, I just haven't got what I need for the Christian life. Maybe you can give it to me. Uh, men and women will say to me, my wife or my husband's not a Christian. And so I get no support. Lots of people say to me, work's real demanding. I put church on hold just for a while. Um, I, I just can't keep doing life. Uh, a lot of people in small churches, I get around a fair bit, they say to me, look, I'm giving so much just to keep our church going. I haven't got anything left for myself. People don't know, but I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling. So I think we feel, don't we, like maybe Jesus hasn't given us everything we need. Well, Peter says he has. Verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us. Now, because um, we feel the way we do, there's a real danger in not believing what Peter says here because it makes us look elsewhere. And in chapter 2, Peter warns us that there will be preachers, there will be people in ministry out there who say, you know what, you haven't been given everything you need. And what you need to do is come to my ministry and I'll give you that extra bit you need to get you over the line. Um, you know, so hour of power, uh, true victory ministries. 
So when we think, no, 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 I, I need something more, we go. We, it, the the, uh, the danger is we go go looking. And Peter warns us. He says, "Don't listen to anyone who says they'll give you something more than what you've been given." Um, he actually says that uh, they'll promise you freedom. Two verse nineteen. They'll pro- promise you freedom, but they are themselves are enslaved. I know that's, that's probably some of your experience. I know that's people, been part of people's experience. Now, Peter says nicely but firmly that actually none of us have any real excuse for not growing in the Christian life because we have been given everything um, we need. Um, we shouldn't go looking elsewhere because Jesus Christ, his word, his work, his spirit in him, we've been given everything we need. Now, I've got, if you like taking notes, I've just got two points. Someone was saying to you, you ought to always have three. Well, I've only got two, sorry. Um, second rate talk. Two points. First point, you have been given everything you need. Okay, first point. Second point is, so give it everything you've got. Simple. We've been given everything we need, and Peter says that it all comes through the knowledge of Jesus. Look at verse 2. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. He says it again in verse 3. Um, we begin everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him. That's the knowledge of Jesus. Um, what does it mean to know Jesus? The word here for know isn't kind of, I know that two and two equals four. Right? The word here, it's actually, it's actually full knowledge complete knowledge. It's kind of the difference, I think, of the difference between when I first met my lady, who's now my wife, Robin, I met her, I looked at her and I thought, yep, cute little redhead, I like this. So that's all I knew, right? I just knew, I knew stuff about it. Cute little redhead, she likes to talk to me, I'm interested. We're married, kids, the works and the jerks, and now I know personally, fully, we live life together, we're part of one another's life. And this is saying, this is the kind of knowledge that we need to have of Jesus. A full, personal, trusting, relational knowledge. Robin's still a cute little redhead, by the way. That's hard. This is the heart of the Christian life, to know Jesus Christ personally. This is where the Christian life begins. So Peter says, God's grace and peace um, comes through knowing Jesus. God's power for godliness Right? comes through knowing Jesus. He's, he's saying that if you know Jesus, you have everything you need. And you think, oh, that, that just sounds like one of those catchy things that preachers say. But it's actually true. So let's dig into it. What have we been given? Well, Peter says we've been given three things. Three things. Are, first one is faith, verse 1. The second one is grace and peace in abundance, verse 2. And the third one is his very great and precious promises, verse 4. All right? Peter's saying, with those three things, you've got everything you need to get on with the Christian life. And don't go looking anywhere else. So faith. Um, what's faith? Faith is trust. It's belief. It's confidence. Okay? Um, 
And it's really important because, you know what, sin is, it's no faith. It's distrust. Just think about how, how the, the story of the Bible works. Like not three chapters into the Bible, we're told what sin is. God gave Adam and Eve one command. How simple is that? One command. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the day you eat of it, you will die. Right? But Adam and Eve deceived by the serpent. So they believe a lie. It all started with false teaching. They came to the conclusion that God could not be trusted, so they disobeyed him. So sin is actually portrayed right at the start of the Bible as lack of trust, lack of faith, lack of belief, and it ruined everything, and they died. That's when and how the corruption of sin entered our world, through distrust, resulting in disobedience and rebellion. From that moment on, every man, woman, child has been born with a fallen, distrusting nature. That's why we're sinners. Because we don't naturally trust God. Um, The gospel, the message about Jesus, is God's call to you to start trusting God again. And the interesting thing is, is that it's actually by hearing God's word, it's actually by hearing the gospel, that our faith in God is brought to life. You know that verse, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing God's word actually is what brings faith. See, um, it says there that we've received faith. That faith is actually a gift. Did you know that? Your ability to trust God is something that he gives you. He helps in you through his, through his word. Ephesians 2 says we're saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. See, we've received it. If you're a Christian today, it's because of God's work in you. It's his gift. See, we've been given everything. We've been given faith. But just look at the verse. Do you know? notice what it says? It says that I'm using the... the uh, Earlier, early NIV, it says we have received the faith as precious as you have received the faith as precious as ours. Peter's saying your faith, all the people who read this letter who are Christians, your faith is as precious as mine. He's saying ours is the apostles. Now, I find that surprising, don't you? Like Peter's an apostle. Like he's, he's up there. You know, like he, we, in all the jokes about heaven, he's standing at the pearly gates. Hasn't he got more faith or better faith or kind of, you know, A-grade faith and I've got about C-grade and some have got Z-grade? Isn't that how it works? Peter says, no. Why not? Well, it's a gift. God doesn't give second-hand gifts away. He gives you your faith. It's a gift from him. See, the issue is not, the quality of my faith, it's the object of it. Jesus said, if you've got faith the size of a mustard seed, you know, he's into object lessons. Must have been standing there and there's the sea there and a the mountain there. He said, if you've got faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, to be thrown into the sea and it will. You go, boom, like, what are you talking about, Jesus? What he's saying, he's just helping us think. You don't need much faith. All you need is the faith God gives you. Now exercise. Not, not, not as a new earth-moving kind of 
tool, you know, moving mountains. But just understand that it's a gift to you, and if you have it, it's a gift from God. So trust him. He's enabled you to trust him, so trust him. That's the first thing you need for godliness. When I think about this, you know, I think there's a bit of a a thing in this, oh, my faith's not as good as your faith. What's behind that? Isn't it an excuse? My faith's not as good as Todd's faith, so I don't have to be as serious about Jesus as Todd. No, no, no. It's not about being as serious as Todd or what. It's about us being, growing to be like Jesus. That's what it's about, whether you're a fencer or a mechanic or a teacher or a mum. It doesn't matter, you know. We can't use, oh, my faith's not quite as good as his as an excuse. It's a gift. We've got to use it. Um, second, so first thing we've been given is faith. Second thing, grace and peace. Verse 2, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. What's God's grace? How would you define grace? Anyone? Love? Yep. What's the thing, what's the thing that's about grace? Sorry? Don't deserve it. Unconditional. Yep. It's, it's undeserved favour from God to us. We don't, we don't earn it. It's a gift. Grace actually means gift. Um, he's given us grace. Um, it means God is for you. God has your back. He's on your side. And peace. Peace is that, that assurance that I'm right with God, that God is not against me anymore. Why? Why, why can I know that God is not against me? Why is that a gift to me? Well, it's simply because 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross and he took all of God's anger against you on his son so that he's not angry with you anymore. He spent it all on Jesus. See, that's God's grace and peace to us. Um, It's actually talking about salvation, isn't it? Friends, if you know that you stand guilty before God, there's only one place to have your sins forgiven condemnation dealt with. There's only one place to find favour from God and peace with God, and it's in Jesus. But um, look at it. He doesn't just say grace and peace. Just as he didn't say you've been given faith, you've been given faith as precious as ours, he says. Um, look, it's not just grace and peace. What else does he say? Grace and peace be yours, what? In abundance. Now, I, I think that's really great. I, I don't know what you think about when you think of abundance. Um, this is what I think of. Um, there's nothing worse than a shower that starts hot and ends cold, eh? Especially when you live in orange, okay? Nothing worse. Hop in the shower, hot shower, cold. Ugh. Um, abundance means it never runs out. I can tell you, we, we, we uh, lived in a house for a little while. It had that continuous gas ream hot water. Awesome. Hot water never runs out. Expensive if you stay there, but man, oh man, is it good. Um, That's like God's grace and peace to you. It never runs out. And that's important because you think it does. We'll get to that. Third thing he gives us, verse 3, 
his very great and precious promises. Um, uh, sorry, verse 4. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. Um, promises do two things. They help us now. They're from the past. They help us now and in the future. Jesus promised to send his Holy Spirit to comfort us and convict us of sin. He does. He, he promised to be with us to the end of the age. He is. And he promises us, promised to save us from this corrupt world and to go to be with him in heaven. He will. So we can trust him. Um, these are the things he's given us. Our faith in him, our peace with him, and his promises to sustain us. And we need, that, that's, Peter says, that's all you need for the Christian life. And you think, really, is, is it that simple? Well, actually, it is. It is. Through faith, we depend on God instead of ourselves. Are you familiar with Hebrews 11? It's the story of the Old Testament of the people of faith. And when you read through that, you see some names in there and you think, wow, he's a bit dodgy. Samson, really? You know, the link all through that, those people with all their ups and downs, their strengths and failures, what got them to heaven? It was faith. Faith, that's it. And it actually tells about people being sawn in two. Well, that helped a lot, didn't it? It won't stop you being sawn in two, but you just know that it doesn't matter if you get sawn in two. Faith. His grace and uh, peace, um, it's really important for us um, because we think God's grace and peace is not in abundance. We think it runs out. Um, when you sin, what happens? It might be an habitual sin you're struggling with. What happens? You get angry with yourself and so what do you think? I'm angry with me. My wife's angry with me. My husband's angry with me. So guess what? God must be angry with me. No. You have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You have grace and peace in abundance. And it is so important. You will not progress in the Christian life if you don't understand this. For four years, I, I met with a young bloke. I'll call him Fred. His name's not Fred. but um, Now, this guy was hopelessly addicted to pornography. First found it under his, the seat of his dad's ute when he was about 10. Hopelessly addicted to pornography. When I was meeting up with him, he was about 19. I met with him for four years. We worked through this, right? How many times do you think he failed during those four years? I said, Fred, you've got to be honest with me. We're going to deal with this, mate. We're going to fight this together. How many times do you think he failed? Plenty. That'll do. Plenty. Plenty. What do you think I said to him when he came and he said, Bruce, I've done it again? What do you think I said to him? Look, Fred, your goose is cooked, mate. You're going to hell. What, what do you think I said to him? Did I, did I ever say that to him? I did say to him, mate, you need to consider whether you really trust in Jesus because you keep going back, back, back. But no, no, I said to him, mate, in Jesus, you have peace with God and you have the power to progress. I said to him, mate, I'm not interested so much in what happens at the end of next week. What I'm interested in is the end of next year. Four years, meeting every second week, he's now married, in control of his sex life, 
it's still like a mongrel dog on a chain that he's trying to starve. He'll never die, but through his faith in God, through knowing that God is not angry with him, that he's forgiven him, he's saying, Fred, get up, dust yourself off and go again. You see? You see how it's so helpful? We've got to believe, faith, that we have peace with God and trust his promises that I'm forgiven, he's with me to the end of the age and there's someone somewhere better waiting in heaven. Um, there's a, a hymn, I don't know, if it's an old one. Great verse, it says, The price is paid, see Satan flee away. For Jesus crucified destroys his power. No more to pay. Let accusation cease. In Christ there's no condemnation now. So you can go again when you know you're not condemned, can't you? Well, Peter says through these, verse 4, just look at verse 4. He has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the evil corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now that phrase there, participate in the divine nature, it's unique to Peter and it sounds a bit weird. You know, am I somehow divine? No, get over it, Bruce. You know, just, no, you're not divine, okay? Um, The word participate means fellowship. That's what the word is, it's fellowship. And I think the context helps us understand what he's simply saying. He's saying we have Jesus' promises, his forgiveness, uh, his spirit is at work, in us so that together with his help in fellowship with God I can now live out my new life in Christ Um, so Peter says listen don't believe these people who tell you what you're missing is the the secret ingredient and I have to have the secret ingredient he's saying no no in Jesus we have everything I love those songs we were singing We, we sang that all, all, all day, you know, in Jesus' power, his victory, all that. Oh, great. Well, Peter says, you have been given everything you need now, so give it everything you've got. See, I've been given everything. Okay, so I have it now. So Peter says, now give it everything you've got. I, um, I heard, a, I don't know where I heard this, but a bloke said, the Christian life is like riding a bicycle. God has given you the bicycle. He's given you the ability to ride the bicycle. Now start pedalling. See, it doesn't work if you don't get on it and ride it. He's given us everything. We've got to give it everything we've got. Verse 5. For this very reason, because all that we've been given, make every effort. See it there? Verse 5. Make every effort. Um, and I think one of the best words that captures what Peter's talking about is the word grow. He used it at the end of his, um, of his uh, letter. Look at verse 8. See where the grow idea comes in. For if you possess these qualities, excuse me, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive, literally unfruitful. You know about fruit, you live in Shepparton, in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus always told parables about growing things, about fruitfulness. Can you think of any? What parables can you think of Jesus talking about stuff growing? Top of your head. Singing out nice and loud. What was that? Hang on, someone. Fruit tree. Yep. Vine. Uh, parable of the seeds and the soils. Um, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
He said, we must remain in him and he in us. And he said, this is John 15, without him we can do nothing. So we've got to know him, be in him, and then be part of growing with him. That's what Peter's saying. He's saying, make every effort to use all that he's given us so that we grow. Um, Look at verse 5 again. I've got this on the screen. There you go. Okay. Here's what verse 5 says. I've laid it out for you. Because you know when you read through lists in the New Testament, and you just go, oh, that's an interesting list. No, no, hang on a minute. Peter sat down and thought this through. Peter's a fisherman. Fishermen are into, into what works, okay? He's not just some sort of highfalutin bloke throwing words on a page. Look what he says. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Um, I want to go through that because I think this is a formula for Christian growth. All right? And I think if you understand this and encourage each other with it, you will grow. So let's think about it. Um, can I, you just notice that it starts with um, faith and ends in love. See, it starts in faith, ends in love. Faith, that's where it starts for us, just in trusting God. Uh, but if you're going to grow more and more like God, what is God? Love. God is love. The ability to love your enemies really is the final place of Christian maturity, isn't it? Love. So it starts with faith and ends with love. Um, okay. Missed it a bit. Here we go. Take it to there. So he says, you were to add to faith goodness. Okay? Faith. Um, goodness. Um, what's goodness? Um, some of your versions will probably say moral virtue, uh, moral excellence. Is that right? Moral excellence, verse 5. Uh, it's virtue. It's really the opposite of evil desires. It says in verse uh, 4 that the world is corrupted through evil desires. Well, goodness is the opposite of that. Virtue is the opposite. If you want to escape and keep on escaping your evil desires, you need to trust God. Stop following your evil desires and start adding into your life what you know is good. Now, that's not rocket science, is it? <laughs> like, turn away from all the stuff you know is bad, work out what's good and add it into your life. How simple is that? But we don't do it, do we? And I, I, I've got an example of why we don't do it in my, in my um, pocket, smartphone. They should call them dumb phones, I reckon. Uh, because I see Christian men and women um, just, you know, they've got a spare moment and so they, they press the button and then they just start scrolling. Oh, yeah, you know, social media. Oh, yeah, she's whinging about him and she's upset and he's upset. And, uh, and then I don't know if it's a problem. Well, I do know it's a little bit of a problem for women, but for blokes, sex, pornography, 
you can go press dot 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 boom and you can be looking at the most hideous pornography in three seconds in a public place um see it's so easy isn't it to add into your life stuff that's bad that you know will fuel your evil desires and peter says no 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 start adding goodness into your life i mean that's one example i don't um you probably don't need me to say much more than that um next thing he says to add to goodness knowledge yeah okay what what's what's that this is see the reason he says add knowledge this is knowledge from god this is knowledge of god's word knowledge of the christian life it's gnosko it's just knowledge that comes from god and you know why that's so important because only God knows what is good. See, only God knows what is good. Now, we think we know what's good, don't we? But, but our world says if it feels good, do it. That's not goodness. The only way we will know what um, is really, truly good is if our knowledge is shaped by God. It's as simple as that, okay? We run out of time. Okay, all right. We did start late, Todd. I just, yeah, just point that out. Um, um, I, you know, in the recent same-sex marriage debate, I was amazed at how many Christians shape their attitude to that by the world. They'd say to me, oh, Bruce, it's just about love, isn't it? And I'd say, have you not thought about this from what, the knowledge you get from God. See, they weren't thinking about that through good knowledge, but worldly knowledge. So we need to add, add knowledge. What does that mean? We need to be in our Bibles. If you don't come to church, if you don't read your Bible at home, this won't happen. You'll go backwards in your Christian life. All right. Keep going. Knowledge, self-control. Now, do you see why self-control so it's, see, it's add one to the other. This is not just, I'll pick one and do that. No, it's add. Why self-control? It's so important. I'll tell you why. It's because when you learn what is bad and what is good, how are you going to put that into practice? It's only through self-control. It's only, only through discipline, through going, no, I remember, I remember you know, in church last Sunday, I heard that this is good, that's bad. And I've got to grab hold of that. And with self-control, with the help, of, the help of Jesus in my life, start to put that into practice. Self-control. See, knowledge without self-control is almost useless. It means you'll get it right once. Oh, great. What's the next one? Self-control add perseverance. Can you see why perseverance is so important after self-control? See, having helped, what do I call him, Fred, deal with the internet properly, um, goodness, knowledge, self, um, self-control, what did he have to add to his self-control? He had to add perseverance. Because it's okay to not get angry once, it's okay to not tell lies once, it's okay to not look at porn once, it's okay to not get drunk once. But if you're going to grow in your Christian life, you need to add perseverance, don't you? You need to persevere in your self-control. 
So it's a really, really helpful verse, 2 Peter 1 verse 5. And we add to perseverance godliness. Uh, Hannah's testimony helped us see the value of godliness. You know what godliness? It's Godwoodness. It's like having God as my true north. I always come back to true north. And Hannah said when she grew up, her mum and dad read the Bible and prayed with them. They always went to church. So you had godly mum and dad. So how did that help you? It brought godliness into your life. So you can be getting all this stuff happening in your life, adding all these things. But if godliness, godwoodness, it means that God is a priority for me. I'll I'll always keep coming back in God's direction. If that's not there, then all this other stuff will fall over when you decide, oh, I don't need to go to church. I I don't need to... I don't need to make God a priority in my life. Well, nothing else is going to fall in place if God's not even a priority in your life. You see how that um, comes together. Like I said, Peter's a fisherman. He's practical. How do we do this? And he tells us. Um, um, Godliness, we add brotherly kindness. Now, brotherly kindness is very interesting. It's actually... Philadelphia, um, brotherly love. And by the way, sisters are concluding that it's just a paternal society so the blokes only ever get the Guernsey, okay? It's brotherly, sisterly love. Now, in, in the ancient world, they can find no record of the word Philadelphia used outside the family. Right? So you only loved your brother and your sister in your immediate family. Anyone outside the family... They were just fair game. Then along comes Jesus. He says, God's our Father. I've saved you into my family. We are brothers and sisters. And so in the church, Christians, you people, even though you're not related at all, start to love one another, care for one another, help one another through life. And, and the, the non-Christian world saw that and they thought, wow, this is unbelievable. Never seen it before. That's all because Jesus is at work in their life, see. Um, now, I see a lot of people who get an awful lot right in the Christian life. Great theology, go to church every week, bookshelf, you know, bookshelves full of books, got so much going on for them, but they don't love their brothers. they got no time for them. They won't forgive them. Um, and, you know, like, there's a lot of things you can do in the Christian life. Uh, sorry, in life, on your own. I can go fishing on my own, I can work. There's one thing we cannot do alone, and it is the Christian life. We can't. And brotherly love is, we've got to love one another. And, and I, I don't care how much you know about the Bible, if you don't love any, anyone, it's all a waste of time. And brotherly kindness, love, that's agape love. That's the love that is completely other person-centered. Jesus said, love your enemies. There's only one person who's ever genuinely done that, and that's God. That's Jesus. And that's the, that's the mark of Christian maturity, see, to be like God, to be able to love someone who hits you in the face. So 2 Peter 1 verse 5. Work on it. It's great great stuff.
Um, now, this is no, now, I'll tell you why it's no incidental list. If you've got your Bibles there, um, I'll get out of that. Look at verse 8. So now he's referring back to verse 5. He says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective, unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Verse 9, If anyone does not have them, these qualities, he's nearsighted and blind, has forgotten it, he's even been cleansed from his past sins. He's right back where he started. Okay? Verse 10, Therefore, my friends, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, verse 5, you will never fall. Isn't that a great promise? It's, it's, not, it's not saying that you will never slip up in the Christian life. What he's saying is, is that you won't stumble, that you'll be secure, you'll make it home to heaven. Peter, remember how he finished his, his letter? Um, uh, he says, but that we grow in the grace and knowledge um, so that we may be, not be carried away and fall from our secure position. That young bloke I mentioned who told me he had almost lost his faith, I sat down with him and took him through this and he said, you're right, Bruce. I've been going to church. I've even been reading the Bible with, and praying with my kids and I've taken no notice of any of it. I haven't applied any of it into my life. I haven't act, I've, I've been given everything I've got, but I've been giving it nothing. And I said, that's right, mate. I said, keep going, get up. You, know, um, you have been given everything you've got, uh, you need, so give it everything you've got. So, friends, while, you, while you're on the camp um, this weekend, let's encourage one another to make every effort. Don't just talk about the weather and the state of the nation. Talk about what you can do when you get back home so you can start putting into practice 2 Peter 1, verse 5. We need Colby Cannon to, to write a song about that, I reckon. Um, um, we all want to receive a rich welcome into heaven. Um, and uh, we've been given everything we need to get there. We've got to be helping one another. Brotherly love, sisterly love so that we grow and never stop growing. I'll pray. Um, Lord, thank you for your word. Uh, we complicate things so much and we gloss over things we know are important. Um, please, Lord, help us to take this word from the Apostle Peter by your spirit. Please write it on our hearts and help us to care for one another in it. We ask it in Jesus' name.